Call America is a history podcast about what makes America great. I'm Carl Joseph Black, a Brooklyn native born into the cult. And I'm Lisa Charlotte, an Australian migrant who totally bought into it from afar. Each episode, we unpack the American way of life from an outsider's perspective, from the Pledge of Allegiance to American exceptionalism and more. We'll dive into the history and share our personal experiences, along with discussion of some actual cults along the way. Listen to Cult America on a Three Springs Media Network, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yo, Hat. Sir. What is poetry to you? Poetry to me is creating visuals for all the things I see in my head. Like from the moment I wake up out my bed to the second I lay down the rest is all about creating. What about you? For me, poetry is liberation. It's the unshackling of chains for you, those before you, and our future generations. Poetry is legacy. The things you leave your seeds so that they can be whatever it is they want to be. This is the poetry. Yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. And we're back again uh, with the Poetry Pod. I am Hattress, like matches with an H, but please don't sleep on me. And my co-host here is Stony Tony, and I don't have a creative enough line yet to keep up with this motherfucker, y'all. But he's creative as fuck, y'all. <laughs> Shout out to him. Um, And we are the Poetry Podcast. Word. Um, Today, we're going to get a little spiritual on y'all. Facts. Facts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about some spirituality. I don't know. I don't know, Tone. Like, what? What's your spirituality? What's your faith? Like, what you? What you believe in? I believe in love. It's very simple for me. That's I don't think poetic. there's a lot of. Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, um, I don't think there's a lot of gray matter with love. Mm. You know, even though everybody tends to have a different definition of love, mm-hmm. um, but I think real love is the most spiritual form that you could have or practice. Um, do I believe in a higher power? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I would, that would be too egotistical of me as a human being to not believe in a higher power. Yeah, what about you, Hat? I know you've been through some shit. <laughs> so yeah, nah, I I definitely agree with you, bro. I, I do believe in love. I I think love is the energy that moves all things. Um, I do believe in a higher power. Um, I I just don't believe in man so much. So like when it comes to like sectors and and these these different religions. Um, I, I'm like, I, I take the meat, lead the bone. Um, this particular poem was big for my spiritual journey and it helped me learn a lot about myself. Um, but I'll just go into it since we, we talking about it right now. Okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? But it's called 10 things I hate about your God, right? Yeah. Cool. So, um, so 10 things I hate about your God. One, if religion is man-made, and God made man, then how did he let us get it so wrong? Isn't your God funny that way? After the collection plate has swallowed our taxes and prayers are sent into the air, when drums and snares are done evoking spirits that may or may not have ever been there, and when speaking in tongues makes no sense to dead ish, is where was your God? Two, the way he runs me dry and twists me out like a rag laid in sun. What happens to a raisin left out? Probably what happens at crucifixion. Probably what happened to Jesus. Am I Jesus? Three. 
Why don't Jesus look like me? I mean, I heard he faced fire and brimstone the same way and gave his life for those who could care less for him or for me or for us for that matter. See, I know all too well the parable of open hands and full cups. I made that up. But it's a brilliant story of unrecognized existence and show God doesn't even mention me in his Bible for. I wrote a letter to God some years ago. He still has yet to write me back. Five. I prayed for a sign one day on an empty highway under sorrow skies going faster than I should have. I prayed for a sign and drunk off my own resentment in a bladder full of that nice whiskey. I prayed for a sign and swallowed the silence as I was served. Six. My mother used to call me her heart. She never told me that it was filled with cancer. Seven. Yo, God made cancer for black folk, like he made chitlin for black folk and privilege for white folk, but isn't he just funny that way? Eight. That time I tried to swallow myself whole. In an empty bathroom, two pills away from that shit Morpheus was talking about, you see, I fancied myself a black neo and no, not Nazi. Although I wonder what it feels like to kill without being called a hate group. What it feels like to demand life just by being, or better yet, what it's like to burn my own cross to the ground. Nine, I have been killed too many times to recollect each one. And I have still yet to resurrect. Sometimes faith could be a funny lesson in resilience that you only learn in death. Your God is funny that way, right? 10. Faith is the reason why I'm still writing this letter to God on this day. Pen shaking with grief. What if faith is just a practice of unrequited love? What if unrequited love is what prepared me for this life? What if your God isn't that funny after all? What fuck? Damn, brother, you just dragged me through the mud. Shit. Snaps, yo, give it up for hat, B. Y'all really don't understand the type of tear and talent this man is on. Um, always, always, always with controversial work. Definitely sparking conversations, and that's why we here, bro. Honestly, that's why I wrote it. I knew it was going to be controversial. And I know, and I know you like, love that shit. Like, you really get a kick yeah, for that I should. shit. <laughs> like, yo. Especially a topic like this. Yeah. Right? Like, looking like, up a bit. Like, I can listen to it. Like, for real, be Jesus. Be that Jesus that you claim to pray. Jesus, what would Jesus right? do? So it's like, yo, listen. Jesus would listen. Yo, <laughs> figure it out. I kind of want to start this off on a real more sentimental because I think what a lot of people probably resonate out of this poem is is the lost one of someone and the conversation that they have with their higher spiritual power. Yeah. So I know in here it says, you know, you know, my mother used to tell me I was a huh. She never told me that it was filled with cancer. Yeah. Um, I know there's truth in everything that you write. Yeah. And I know that that was something that was very dear to you. Can you please, like, just, if you can, open up and share with us? Yeah. So my mom's passed away when, when, when I was 15. So that's something I've been learning how to deal with mourning. I've been learning how to deal with loss since 15 years old. And that's not something that you actually know how to do when it happens, right? And, and to have such a, a, a figure as as your nucleus parents, right? Like your mother, your father, 
past during your teenage years of rebellion when you're going through your growing pains it was it was it took some adjustment so in thinking about this poem i literally wrote this poem for my mother right like i didn't know that yeah i wrote this poem for my mother because uh she was someone that instilled faith in me and she was someone that always told me to have faith in God and, and to believe and, and these things. But like when you go through real life things and like she's not here no more, it's like, yeah, my faith wavers. Cause it's like, I have to go through certain situations of not having her for counsel anymore. And I'm out here by myself. Right. So how can you tell me to believe in a God that took you away from me? Like, I mean, like, how can you tell me that this is what I'm supposed to be doing when it didn't work for you? And I just took you away. Like, that's your mom's. Yeah. That's like your your true definition of love. And that's every man's true definition of love really is like that mother figure, you know, to teach you how to treat earth and how earth should be treating you. Yeah. But one of the, one of the things, cause like I'm big on, on the, the, the two sides of things, right? So like, yeah. The duality. Sad. Yeah, the duality, right? But yeah, it's sad. But one of the things I can say is in the 15 years that I got to be around my mother and absorb the things that she gave me, she prepared me for life, honestly. <laughs> Cause so like, so that's kind of what you mean here, probably with this line too, the 10th reason, right? Because you literally listed this 10 reasons. It's not like you segued any of this. This was a bullet point list. Mm-hmm. You know, which is rare poetry form. We really don't see that, mm. which is why we on this goddamn podcast because you're a rare poet. <laughs> but you say faith is a reason I'm still writing this letter to God to this day. Pen shaking with grief. Maybe faith is just a practice of unrequited love. Maybe unrequited love is what prepared me for this life. Maybe your God isn't that funny after all. What's what's up, bro? What's unrequited love? What, what was that? What helped you regain your composure when it comes to your spirituality? Because that's what it sounds like there in me. It's almost so, so like, I, I, I got it. I almost lost myself, but I'm, I'm back. I'm here. So what I wanted to capture in those lines is um, I'm big. I've, I've been dealing with unrequited love a lot in my relationships, right? So it's like, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to love someone so much. And like, they're not really giving you that same effort back and, and blah, blah, blah. And you can't force that. And it's like, at the end of the day, if you're trying to force that, is that really love? Like, if you're changing how you're moving with someone because they're not loving you the way that you want to be loved, do you really love them, right? Because love love should be free. Love should be without condition. Without restraint. Without, without restraint, restraint, right? Right? So I'm big on unconditional love, and that's what I got from my mother. Right. But at the same time, you're going to have unrequited situations. So it's like, so for instance, if you love God and then you're attributing all of the good things that happen to you to God, then you must have to attribute all of the bad things that happen to you to God, right? So at that point in time, right. that's unrequited love. Like, yeah, I love you, but like, it doesn't feel really like you love me back, right? right? Reciprocated. Yeah. So what I'm saying is in that line, it's like, Maybe God prepares you through his absence or not stepping in and saving. The lack of. The lack of, right? Maybe he prepares you for the future, for the things that you will go through. Um, so maybe it's not funny, right? Maybe this is the lesson. This is the 
I wanted to leave this poem being more of an inspiration than a Debbie Downer. Right. Because like I'm I'm not there in that space anymore. So it's like I I had to remove myself from that space in order to figure out like, yo, like I still have faith. Yeah, you mentioned the absence of it too. You mentioned, you know, writing the letter to God or and falling on on deaf at death straight whispers. Because it's God. Right. Like, when people, I don't know, like when people be like, yo, uh, God told me this. And I'm like, yo, you heard his voice? You heard her voice? Or was like, it definitely God within you? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I've never experienced that, but I felt convicted to do things. I felt the feeling, the emotion um, of I need to do this. But it wasn't a voice or nothing like that. So I don't know. So it goes like I was saying earlier, maybe too, like I right, your own definition of love. You know, everybody has that. And even though there's there's really no gray area for it, it should be black and white. It should be black and white for you, you know, in your for own. For you, yeah. Or it should be black like and you white. Don't have, you, don't have to, you don't have to compromise that yeah. for anyone else. Yes, definitely. But maybe maybe we've also learned this false tense, you know, being that there's so many definitions. Mm. And I think you speak on this false tense of God, you know, this, this false image of God that we receive on several occasions in here. You know, mm -hmm. why doesn't Jesus look like me? But you also said... Your God made cancer for black folk. Like he made chitlin for black folk and privilege for white folk. But ain't that just funny? Yeah. It's not just fucking funny. It is systemic. Systemic. So I, I wanted this to be an irony um, poem. Right. Right. Like just talk about all the ironic situations. Uh, for cancer is leading in minority groups more than white groups. Right. Um, we used to eat chitlins because we didn't have the good parts of the fucking pig. So it was given. It was just, we just had to make it something. Right. right? And we still keep it or whatever. Um, I, I hate them shits, but that's besides the point. Right. And then like, I, since I'm talking about the things that the black community is getting or the things that I'm receiving myself, right? I'm putting myself in it. I have to talk about the, the other. So like, if you made made um cancer for us and you made chitlins for us why you made privilege for them right so i wanted this poem to not only talk about faith i wanted it to talk about faith as a black man right because that's too different that's things. way that's a unique experience yeah it's different right it's different so like to still keep that knowing the history behind why religion was used for my race of people it's like, it's almost lunatic. It makes no sense, right? Yeah, and then, I mean, look at the, look at the, in that parable, because that's a parable to me. This whole thing is a parable, right? Like, if you look at the Bible and the way that it approaches its poetic ensemble, it is, it is in list factors, like yeah. how you listed it. So I yeah. thought that that was ironic enough. And then in your comparison between what black people have received from the church in comparison to what they've given, mm -hmm to what a white person now receives for the church, mm -hmm. you know, in comparison to what they created. I, I tapped into that number two. Well, what was that one? Yeah, I don't know. I, like, hey, I, you jumped like, on it right away. Like, yeah, yeah, I got you. Hold that's up. why. I, <laughs> hold up. Because numero uno, like this is like the 10 crack commandments of poetry. <laughs> so numero uno, right? If religion is man-made and God made man and woman. Yeah, then why did he let us get it so wrong? Isn't God funny that way? 
after the collection plate has swallowed our taxes and prayers and sent it into air, and when drums and snares are done evoking spirits that may or may not have ever been there, and when speaking in tongues makes no sense to dead ears, just where was your God? Yeah. Um, I'm not a fan of church. Uh, <laughs> I could tell. Yeah, I'm not a fan I can see that. I um, definitely see that. I've had some 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 horrible experiences in certain churches, but I also understand being a performer. I understand performance art, and I feel like church is a huge space for performance art, which is helpful for some people. Um, but when you know the psychology behind it and you understand what's happening in that moment, it takes away from the holiness. Right. Right. Like I know the preacher is invoking something because of his public speaking. Right. And not so much God. Right. right? Like I know the chords that you're playing is going to make people feel. Right. And not so much God. Right. It's and, a play on your emotions. Yeah. And it's like you're manipulating emotions in this space all the time. And the most I've ever felt God was by myself. Right. Amen. Fuck. That was powerful. You know what I'm saying? Like Silence on your own. Yeah. And right. I don't need to show right. anybody. I don't need to catch the Holy Spirit and be praised, worshiping, dancing. And, and it's, I've been to some churches where if you're not doing that, they look at you. Hey, right. screw the circus. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, that's that's not comfortable for me. I don't, oh, you too proud to praise the Lord. No, I'm not. Right. I don't feel what they're feeling right or now. Maybe I'm just, it. Or maybe I'm just a reserved character. Yeah, I'm chill. Why do I have to play church? So it's like I, I've had those negative. That's I tapped into those experiences, and I was like, yo, I'm going to start with this. So, uh, like, we're giving you all this money. You want us to just look crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and that's not how I worship. That's not, that's not the relationship I have with my God. So it's like... I think I think I think the church has been able to pull, you know, pull 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 a pull a pull a trick on 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 everyone for a really long time. I think that was why it was designed. I think it was designed to control the masses of people. Um, I really really true believe in following the money, and anybody who gets a tax write off for having for a space every- having a space that large and that grand to celebrate God, but then where is that space when the homeless people need need somewhere to stay at night? Where is that space? Like Joel Osteen. He did it. He did it though. You know, he had to end up opening doors because people was knocking on them shits. You, you know like he would what, if it wasn't No, I'm a hundred percent sure of that. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. hundred percent sure of that. Because why is it why why are they not around every single time? Why is not every community church opening Do their care. doors to homeless people? Why is that not a hundred percent. Why not only are you not opening the doors to homeless people so they can have refuge to actually sleep at night, but why are you also not allowing them or making them feel comfortable on a Sunday service? Mm. Why? This is why. It's just these questions of why. Why do you have stained glass? You know, like for what? What does this stained glass do? It's art. It's just art in your yeah. oceans. You know, why is Jesus white? It's to keep white supremacy in power. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um why is the story of Jesus sound like every other philosophical, spiritual story that we've heard from Ra in the Egyptian yeah, times? It's the sun god. So um, I think it all just plays on the fact that it's just a control coast. Um, and you definitely spoke on that in here as well. That's literally where I was coming from with this phone. Like everything that you said is literally the thought. So when I write poetry. Hold up, bro. 
because you got really dangerous with this poem. Because <laughs> when you write poetry, you get dangerous. And the reason I say that is because um, we might get kicked off the air. I don't know if everybody heard what he said, but he might have some white folk really upset. The way he runs me dry and twists me like a rag laid in sun. What happens to a raisin left out? That was a pun to a raisin in the sun. I don't know if y'all caught that one. But anyway, probably what happens at crucifixion. I'm not laughing at fucking Jesus' crucifixion, yeah. I'm laughing at the fact that people don't understand that the pain that this prophet went through was for all of us to be free. And yet, the same pain that he went through is something that we still have to fucking endure every single day. But they tell us that he carries our sins. And he went through that pain for us already. No, that's not true. That's not true. This shit going on right now that Jesus would not be with. Jesus was not even with the church. I know. That's what Jesus I'm saying. Jesus was against the church. He, he was, Jesus was the, he was the original gangster. Frat low key. He was, he was, that was revolutionary. Those re yeah, he was yeah. the revolutionary. He was outside. Like, nah, y'all want me to be here? Y'all want me to preach here? I'm not. I'm going to preach over here. I'm going to go in here and I'm going to talk right. to the people that actually need the help. So it's right. like, when I, when I think about it on that level, it's like, yo, I don't know. Like, I, I used to talk to my moms about this and, and, and you know, that Nas line? This this is not a song where he says, um, his mother said, you could be Christ. I wasn't old enough to hold my dick and pee right. Jesus, what is he like, right? I always think about that because it's like. That's on Illmatic? That was on, that was on Stillmatic. Okay. That was on Stillmatic. But I always think about that line because I look, he be feeling like, like just the way my mother's name was Mary. Like, <laughs> like I wasn't supposed to be here. She had me at 38. Take uh, shit. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, I gotta get my shit together because it's like the the good that's inside of me. I want to give to the world, but I have my own deficits. Right. And Jesus had his challenge. Right. Like you know what I'm saying? Like right. I have my own shit that I need to figure out. So I don't know if it's a Jesus envy. I don't want to say that, but it's like I want to aspire to be like him. Right. Because it's like the way that he gave it up was gangster. And you do though. And you do. You know why, bro? Because Jesus seen the best in everybody. I mean, the best. I, I, you know, whatever. No shame in anybody's game. If you're a slut, you're a slut. But he even looked at sluts and prostitutes with light and love, bro. Yeah, he had that, conversations. It's not too many people. We're not slut first of all. No, not at all. Fans, get your money. Yeah, we're fans. Fans, get your money. Listen to the podcast still. We are super diverse. We love all of y'all. Yeah, word up. Copy. I just, we're just, we're just speaking. We're just married, so it's like we don't even live that life. Right, yeah. It's, it's, it's like, it's a lot different. Yeah, we're all. Off so. Okay, so I think we could talk about prostitution and sluts without it being shame game. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, man, I mean, I think you do do that, bro. You you see the best of myself, when, you know, and when we interact and we get to um, work together. You're a father. You're an amazing pops. So you set an example there. Thank you, King. You Ooh, bro, like, right back at you, bro. And Jesus is rack. By the way, hey, <laughs> if y'all don't know, Jesus was black, and that's an artifact that need to run back. Nah, that's out. Yeah, that's different. Like. That's an artifact. Y'all didn't get that artifact? That's a fact. Yeah, hit me out. <laughs> he different. He's still doing the wise thing, breaking down why she throwing his own shit. I'm like, oh, he different, bro. That's what happens when you give me blue moon. <laughs> I should be drinking a brown. Usually, he's a maker's mark kind of guy, right? Yeah, I want to speak for you. A maker's mark. Yeah, I do. The, I do the maker's mark. We're trying to get some, 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 some promo time right now. Maker's mark. Shout out to maker's mark. 
If I was on a Megas Mark, I'd be cursing up a storm on it right now. So it's like, I'm glad I didn't do that. Just, just, I'm going to say that for like episode four or five. yo well yo i love this poem i love this poem in so many different ways it's definitely my favorite poem of yours um not that i've heard all of them but i've heard a few of them this poem this poem takes me to it takes me to church it does and in the bible it says the conversation of god within one room of two or more it is church church so right now we're doing that this and I church. think anybody who listens to this poem and gets the opportunity to read it mm-hmm. is effectively in church. So this is the gospel right here. And I think it's important because it tells your testimony like every other story. That's, that's, that's what I wanted to mention, too. I, I was like, uh, I wanted to. So I feel like whenever you write and perform, once you perform it, it's not for you. Mm. Right. Um, you write for you. But once you give it out to the world, it's not for you. Yes. So I didn't want to give anything out to the world that didn't have something they could take away from it. So that's part of your creative process too, right? Like I want to, can we touch back on that? Because I think that's really important, right? You said right now that when you write as far as as poets, Mm -hmm. and that makes sense because when we write, it's an emotional state of mind. And then you're also saying that when we perform it, it's for the, it's for the crowd. It's for the, it's not not us anymore. We we don't own it. And that's true. And that's true in a sense because you go back and you kind of trim and cut fat. Mm -hmm. And you add articles and you see what needs to be filled Mm -hmm. in. Is that part of your creative process? Can you share more on how you do that and why you do that? So, like, even with the trimming and cutting fat, it's like, yo, I could say this better. That's just, that's just the ego in me. Right. That's like, that's like, because I feel like writing is a super self-fulfilling thing. Like, you do it for yourself. It could be very vain. It's super vain. Like, yeah. if you're an artist, you're a narcissist on the low. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and especially if you're a good artist, right. you're definitely a narcissist. So, right? so I'm going to say some crazy shit right now. Y'all ready for this? I firmly believe that William Shakespeare wrote the King's James Version of the Bible. He probably did. I really believe that. It occurred yeah. during that time period. It's, there was no one else that even wrote that poetic. And that's... That's just me speaking on the conversation of writing. But you also got to understand that Shakespeare was a weirdo. So it's like he had nothing but time to write shit. What white man wasn't a weirdo? No, he was a different weirdo. (laughs) He was a different weirdo. He couldn't get no girls. He he, he was a weirdo, bro. Like, that's why he wrote such beautiful stuff. Because, like, he didn't have social interactions like that. So he was he was in his head imagining a lot. And that's a different style of writing. I mean, Shakespeare, I mean, outside, I'm not just speaking of metaphors, similes, and using things like that mm-hmm. as far as these literary terms. But he's he play wrote. You know, yeah. essentially he wrote things like Hamilton, so, things like that. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. So, I, I still don't rock with Shakespeare though. Like I feel like like I'm I'm on some G shit. He gets a lot of praise for being a white man. Right. Um, like he made up mad words. If I make up a word right now. Right, like it's right. Using and a whole bunch of motherfuckers existed at that time. They might end up catching on with it. If I make up a word, I can't do that. They're like, right. oh nah, that's ignorant. No, it's not. We make up words all the time in our culture, and and it's not in the fucking dictionary. Right, like you know what I'm saying. So it's like I don't. He get a pass for, for whack shit. You know what, bro? We gonna put together our own fucking Bible, and it's gonna be a whole bunch of poems. We could do that. Word. And, and that's not even blasphemous, like because like we all have our faith. We all understand. The, that love is the end all be all, right? So it's like if you're giving things out into the world with the intent to change and grow and be positive, right? Like that's all that matters, bro. Right. I really feel like that. Um, but back to to what you what you asked me when it comes to like 
when you give out something to the world, you have to, I feel like if I'm not improving on silence, I shouldn't be speaking. Right. Right. So if I'm, if I'm going to be talking in a room full of people, I am leaving you with something that you needed. I don't know you from a hole in the wall, but I know that everyone needs to know this. And that's how I write. So when I think about writing spoken word, I'll, I'll write it for me first, put my story in there, put my testimony, but then I start thinking, okay, once I perform this, what am I trying to tell them? Right. Like, what do I want them to leave knowing? What do I want them to leave understanding? And is it positive? Is it a message? Is it something that they could take with them and grow with them? Um, and if it's not, then I don't perform it. Like, now, don't now we don't want to shun um, anyone's spiritual process. I'm sure we got some pastors or some spiritual leaders right now that's listening to this. And I'm sure in some ways when they, you know, have had their Sunday morning service and they're kind of wanting to explain and speak mm -hmm. to their people that they have that same process. Mm -hmm. They probably write, you know, what's for them and it comes out. And then when they have to perform, because essentially that's what it, <laughs> what it is, yeah. you know, to get people to connect. That's a fact. Um, they probably have to take the same approach. So um, I just, I want to, I want to say, you know, not shout out to all the churches, but I know that there are some good men behind the cross that's kind of speaking the, the language of love. No, and women. Um, so, yeah, man, definitely. Um, I, I can't speak enough about this poem. I, so you have a line in here, right? And it's really perplexing. And the reason it's perplexing is because you took, you took a strong stance, right? The line says, that time I swallowed myself whole. In a lonely bathroom, two pills away from that shit, Morpheus was taken. So... You're talking about mental health right now in this, in this depiction. And you're talking about relying on your spiritual prowess when you're in that moment of weakness, right? Or if not, correct me if I'm wrong. Tell me more. So that line, that line itself was talking about suicide. Right. Um, and I wanted to throw that in there because if we're talking about God, we have to talk about our mental health and just the things that we battle throughout our life. Um, so when I said... Um, the time I tried to swallow myself whole, I was I was alluding to my suicide attempt. And it's easier for me to talk about that in the poem than to actually talk about that. <laughs> like, like, so it's like, uh, it was easy to write, hard to say. And um, I just wanted, you know, I'm a creative, so I wanted to make it spicy and shit like that. So it's like the time I tried to swallow myself whole, two pills away from that shit Morpheus was talking about. Because like literally the way I tried to end it was by taking pills. And Luckily enough, I just got sick and threw up, but it's like, I was already at that mental state where it's like, I didn't give a fuck what happened next, bro. Like I really looked myself in the face in the mirror and, and couldn't recognize myself, bro. Mental health is not spoken about enough in our, is also not spoken enough in our daily context, you know, our day-to-day -day conversations that we have in our dialogues. It's not spoken enough in the rooms in which they actually speak about mental yeah. health. You know, it's not taken seriously enough. And um, I thank God that you have the ability and, you know, the keen ability to be able to express yourself the way you do with your art, because I think that's probably saved you a lot. Wouldn't you agree? I, it's not even about me no more, though, right? Like, I, I just hope that that saved someone else Amen. from that. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, I, I've already been through the trenches and I still got more challenges to go through, of course, but, like, not with that. Right. Like, so like, that's, that's one of the things that um, I am blessed and highly favored. And, and I thank God that I kind of conquered that. Mental health issues or anybody knows someone with a loved one that has mental health issues. Take it serious. Check in. Yeah. Um, please don't disregard it. 
try to help them seek help, try to validate their emotions. Yeah, because, bro, like, you work in mental health right now, right? right. We, honestly, we both work in mental right. health currently, right? So it's like you you understand what it's like, especially being a young person of color growing up in this world, right? right. Like, at, at a certain point, you feel like you don't have no options to do nothing. Like, every time, everything you try to do, you can't. And you're constantly told through media, through socialization with other people, through your family that like there's only one route for you and it's like it it shakes everything in you and that's what I was going through and that's what I see a lot of the youth going through like trying to figure out what their future looks like at 16. Right. It's crazy. To be able to to have to even think like that at 16. At 16 it's crazy. Yeah. You're a kid. Right. We should be. We should what be a the kid. fuck? Right? So it's like the luxury of America, the luxury of not having to have these thoughts and to think these things. You're right? like 16 when, when Matrix probably came out. Right? Yeah. And that's where this kind of line is speaking. So that's, that's, that's where it's at. Wow. So it's like, I was just going back to, to yeah, like, yeah. 16. Yeah, like yeah. that shit, how I felt during those times that I couldn't communicate because I didn't have the words. I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't read enough books around that time. Like, it, I had to go through life and, and figure it out and be like, oh, this is what was happening. Right. And it, and speaking on more on that Matrix line, because that's obviously who Morpheus and those two pills are. If y'all don't understand that, then y'all need to watch that goddamn movie. Um, but he says, I fancy myself a black Neo. And no, not a Nazi. Although I wonder what it feels like to kill without being called a hate group. It feels like to demand life by just being. Or better yet, what it's like to burn our own cross to the ground. That sounds like the most destructive, demonstrative, diabolic. That was alliteration, yeah. Um, a lot, yeah. Yo, that was a lot. Unpack that, bro, because. You never felt like that? Hell yeah. I, I've felt like a black fucking Neo before. Duh. <laughs> no, but I ever felt like burning your own cross to the ground? I feel like we do it every day. Mm. I feel like we do it every single day. Um, in the Bible, since we're still speaking on God, mm. it says joy comes in the morning. And I'm on by, yeah, but by 5, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock afternoon, I'm not the same kind person I was when I first woke up. Woke up, yeah. So I feel like we burn our crosses every every single day. I agree. I, so when I wrote that line... um. First of all, you know I'm a writer, so it's like I like to play with yes. the the the, um, the not, optics. Nazi every day, right? Fuckers and gigs. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. Yeah. So it's like to kill without being called a hate group, uh, to demand life just by being, right? So I feel like that's the luxury of our white counterparts, right? Like they are able to exist and demand that you acknowledge them, right? And it's like for minority people, it's not the same way. Right. Like I'm super conscious of the space that I take up. I'm super conscious of how I come up to other people. It's like a second conscious. I think W.E.B. Du Bois talked about a dual consciousness. Right. When it's like, as a minority, you have to be in your mind and also in your counterpart's mind to understand how they're viewing you. And that heightens your mental health. That creates right? a mental health situation in itself. Right. Because you have you have to have two personalities. Too much stimulation. Too much. Yeah, overvigilance. So it's like, that's what I was talking about. But then the burning your own cross to the ground is, you ever feel like, bro, you want to do some crazy shit, but like you're just a better person than that. 
now, yeah. Yeah, right? So okay. it's like that that duty, that assignment, <laughs> where it's like, yo, I, the old me would have just dexed you. Word. I can't do that. I'm a poet. Now I'm going to put you in a poem. Yeah, like, I, so it's like, I feel like that's burning your cross to the ground. Like, when you're, when you're going against your own sense of morality that you created for yourself. Right. Your own your ideology that you live by. Something that was your previous demise and now something that you can conquer. And stand exactly. Right. So you're burning your cross to, like, you're burning your religion. Right. Right. Sometimes I feel like burning my religion. Sometimes I don't want to be the way that I am because it's like the situation calls for me to be something else. And my first instinct is to be something else. But it's like, nah, that's not who I am. So I got to check myself. So it's like, that's what I meant by like to burn my own cross to the ground. And that's exactly what the KKK do. So it's like, right. I was just playing with the words a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. I think it's crazy that they can still get away with that. Right. Like how you can associate um, a terrorist group with somebody that's supposed to be like this figure of this American country and its spiritual process. Like, oh, that's why I said kill without being church. called a hate group. Cause like, yeah, they're called a hate group, but like not really. They're allowed to galvanize and like be outside. Like they're allowed to identify themselves. It's okay for them to do that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, that's weird to me. So it's like, that's just the contradiction of our country. That was another alliteration, if y'all didn't know. <laughs> yeah, we does this. <laughs> so I got a personal question for you to ask. What's up, bro? It says here you never got a response back from God. Have you yet? That was a lot. It's a dramatic effect. Um, I I don't I don't think that God talks in words. I think God talks in action. Um, and result. Um. I think the first time that I could actually say I had a conversation with God, I was in jail. Uh, and that sounds so cliche. I hate, I hate that shit, right? Like it wouldn't be cliche if it wasn't true though. It was true. It wouldn't be cliche it just, if it wasn't. But you get what I'm saying? Like go to jail and then like you, you, you understand God. And it's like, and I didn't go to prison. Right. I went to jail. I right. was in county jail for two months. Right. Okay, cool. Right? Like, I'm not going to glorify that and act like people should go through that because that shit is horrible. That shit is the worst. Like, that's where I feel like jail is worse than prison because at least in prison, you could be comfortable. Right? Like, in jail, you are 23 and 1. 23 hours, not 23 and 1, but like, you're literally in the day room all day and then you could come back and go to sleep. But it's like, you can't isolate yourself. I'm an isolated person. Like, I be needing my space. I'm around people. I got to get to know these people. And that's how you find God, like, right? For you. I had to. Through you isolation. Know, through isolation. Like, I got to be by myself. So it's like, that was the one time that I could say, like, yo, I prayed. I talked to him. I, I made him my best friend. And now I... Bring them with me everywhere I go. I love her saying like, it's like we already had that relationship now. So it's like now, even if I don't talk to him for a while, like I know he knows my heart, and I know that if I don't say it out loud, you know my heart, and I think it. So it's like where I, I'm okay with that communication. I'm okay with that experience because like I don't feel the pressure of a church telling me I need to be here. I don't feel the pressure of 
family members who are big into, into the church telling me, hey, you need to talk to God more. I talk to God every day. Right. You can't tell me. I need to, I, I might talk to God more than you do. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because my, my, my intent is always, hey, like, what am I supposed to be doing? Like, I'm asking questions, like, and it's like, I get the answers back. So when I wrote that, I was not as, I guess, uh, deep into that spiritual relationship as I am now. Because I wrote that poem when I was like, 26, 27, and I'm 32. I don't been through enough. Ah, damn, I didn't know that, man. Yeah. That's a lot of growth. That's seven yeah. years right there. Yeah, like, so I done been through enough. I done been through the ringer. So it's like that poem itself. Like, that poem serves as a testament to what I've been through. Another personal question. Would this be the first poem that you would show your son? The first poem that I would show my son is a poem I wrote for him. Dope. So nah, um, gotta hear that one soon, then, man. Yeah. So, so how how? I mean, I guess I, I'm gonna answer this question for you, but it sounds like your son's spiritual process, because I'm a father, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I know. My son, old ass father, by the way. <laughs> now my son is 11 years old, and he's asking questions that mm-hmm. you know revolve around this, mm-hmm. around the conversation of church and spirituality, and what he feels and what he prays to. Um, how? How, like, what do you want to implement in your son's life? Or what's something that you could tell your son if he had to listen now without you in the future to kind of help him with this spiritual process and his path? I would. So I don't, I'm, I'm not big on forcing anything on anyone. I love that. Yeah. Um, so I would let him know of the options and then also let him know that he can decide to not decide either until he feels like deciding. Right. Right. Um, and just expose him to everything so that whatever he sticks to, he sticks to. And love him through that and and be with him through that and support him through that. Like that's that's how I'm going with him with everything. Not just religion, like with everything. Like what expose I'm gonna expose him to everything I know too and the things that I don't know, I'ma figure out. And then whatever he takes to is whatever he takes to and I'm gonna support him in his journey moving forward. Respect. I think that's the goal, bro. Yeah, because I think that's important, man. It's like leaving your legacy is is not just like tangible shit that you have here mm-hmm. on earth, right? But um, what is going to be passed down to your future ones? What know? type of what type of intelligence are you leaving? Was, what type of critical thinking yeah. are you leaving, right? So, what type of like cues for the next parts of their lives that they're gonna need? And this is this is a big one. Mm-hmm. So, I'm sure right now with this poem, you helping a lot of people solve future generational traumas and you probably don't even realize I, I I don't know about all that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's different. I just want them to understand that you can still have faith and it doesn't have to be the model faithfulness, right? Like your faith is your faith. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God. I can name all the things I went through and all the things I'm challenged by and all the things that I'm questioning for nine points. And then on the tip point, let you know like, hey, I'm doing this right. because I'm still faithful. Right. I'm just wavering. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking. I wouldn't about even this. be talking about it. Right. Like I'm just saying, this is what I've been through. I don't know if you know the Bible well enough, but like the Book of um, Job, where he was like, he actually, and I, my sister, she puts me on. She's like, hey, read this, blah blah. But the Book of Job is when like he literally questions God. He he's talking to God, and in his questions, he's like, yo, how could you do this to me? 
Right. Like, I didn't do nothing to you, bro. Like, on some real, like, yo, we got a relationship. Like, I didn't do nothing to you. Why did you allow the devil to come in and just give me, give me diseases, kill my wives, kill my children, do this, blah, blah. Like, what's that about? There's so, many, so many parables and so many stories in the Bible speak to that right there. That question yeah. of that. You're, well, not even that question, that answer, because it's a question, but it's actually an answer for a lot of people. Well, why? That answer of that why, right? That it's your relationship with God. All of these are one-on-one personable relationships mm-hmm. with God, whether it's Jonah being stuck in the mouth of a whale. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whether it's um, Cain and Abel and the brother killing themselves. Mm-hmm. It's literally a one-on-one conversation and relationship with God. So Everyone had a different relationship with their God, right? right. So it's like that. Literally, I read that book, broke that poem. Fire. Honestly, so. So the inspiration came from Book of Job. Yeah. So 10 Things I Hate About You was actually inspired by the Bible. Mm-hmm. A lot of my work is inspired by the Bible, bro. That's like, dope. Honestly, like, I feel like the Bible is the best literary text that was ever written. Ever created. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you have to give credit where credit is due, bro. The story is crazy, bro. Oh, I'm happy to be doing this with you, bro. May the God above you, may the God above you, God, the God within you. Bars. Facts. May the God above you, what you said, govern? May the God above you guide Guide. the God God within you. Damn, mad alliterations here. You the alliteration king. Speaking on mental health and um, our grounding, right, our spiritual grounding, um, I just want to put that out there as far as the National Suicide Hotline number. There's a lot of different resources now on Instagram and different social media platforms for you to be able to reach out also. But the 1-800 number is 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-8255. That is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Please take it serious. Um, you reach out to these phone numbers or these chats. It could be simple as sending a message online as well. Um, there's so many different ways to get help. Um, just let us be there for you. All right, yeah. So as always, you know how we do with this show. We try to dive in further with the poetry. His Hattress, 10 Things I Hate About Your God. Because I remember the, the times and the ways that we used to have church. Or people didn't mind saying amen. And if somebody would shout, the person would stand up and look around to see what was happening. They would say amen and hallelujah too. But you know, we have not been able to serve God in places like this. One, if religion is man-made and God made man, then how did he let us get it so wrong? Isn't your God funny that way? After the collection plate has swallowed our taxes, and prayers are sent into the air. When drums and snares are done evoking spirits that may or may not have ever been there. And when speaking in tongues makes no sense, the dead ish is where was your God? Two, the way he runs me dry and twists me out like a rag laid in sun. What happens to a raisin left out? Probably what happens at crucifixion probably what happened to Jesus way and my Jesus three why don't Jesus look like me I mean I know I heard he faced fire and brimstone the same way and 
gave his life for those who care less for him or for me or for us for that matter. See, I know all too well the parable of open hands and full cups. I made that up. But it's a brilliant story of unrecognized existence since your God doesn't even mention me in your Bible before. I wrote a letter to God some years ago. He still has just to write me back. Five. I prayed for a sign. On an empty highway under sorrow skies. Drunk off my own resentment in a bladder full of that nice whiskey. I prayed for a sign. Swallowed the silences I was served. Six. My mother used to call me her heart. She never told me it was filled with cancer. Seven. Your God made cancer for black folk. Like he made chitlin for black folk and privilege for white folk, but isn't that just funny? Eight. That time I tried to swallow myself whole. In an empty bathroom, two pills away from that shit Morpheus was talking about. You see, I fancied myself a black Neo. And no, not Nazi. Although I wonder what it feels like to kill without being called a hate group. What it feels like to demand life just by being, or better yet, what it's like to burn my own cross to the ground. Nine. I have been killed by my peers too many times to recollect each one, and I have still yet to resurrect. Sometimes faith could be a funny lesson in resilience that you only learn in death. Though God is funny that way, right? 10. Faith is the reason why I'm still writing this letter to God on this day. Pen shaking with grief. Maybe faith is just the practice of unrequited love. Maybe unrequited love is what prepared me for this life. Maybe, yo God, isn't that funny after all?